Hello and welcome to another episode of Political Agenda with me, PJ Thumb, brought to you by New Narrative. I am wearing a blue batik shirt and I'm sitting with three other people in front of a big red SDP sign. I am here at Singapore Democratic Party headquarters where today we're talking to Min Chong, who was a candidate for the SDP at Holland Bukatima in GE 2020, as well as Jufri Salim, who has a lot of titles. He is a <laughs> member of the Central Executive Committee, Organizing Secretary, International Liaison Officer, and he is head of Young Democrats. So exciting podcast for you today. Um, and oh, and my pronouns are he, him. So before we go on, of course, this podcast is brought to you by New Narrative. It is a movement for democracy in Southeast Asia, and we are entirely supported by membership fees. So if you enjoy this podcast, please do like and subscribe and join us as a member. We desperately need your support. Go to newnarrative.com slash join to join as a member. It's only 52 US dollars a year. Or go to newnarrative.com slash donate to donate. And now, Subash. Okay, so here we are at SDP headquarters to talk to two very important members of the SDP. But before we get started, as always, my co-host, Sean Francis Han. How are you, Sean? Hey, I'm doing good today. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to get to this episode because, you know, SDP was like one of the big parties that got me really interested in politics when I was really young. So, I mean, I can't wait to jump into it. But before that, uh, I'm wearing a beige top and some green jeans, and my pronouns are he, him. So let's just get started. Two of you, can you introduce yourselves? What are your pronouns? What are you wearing? Hi, I'm Min. Um, as PJ said, I was a candidate for Holland Bukit Tima in last year's GE, GE 2020. I'm also a member of the Women Democrats, Young Democrats, and I'm wearing a green shirt. It's my favorite color, um, and my pronouns are she, her. Well, I'm Jufri Salim, as described by Mr. PJ Tam. I need a little bit help here yeah. because I'm a little bit colorblind. Actually, <laughs> actually a lot, color deficient. Yes. So this is actually a beige, beige top, yeah. beige yeah. top, and yeah. a greenish golden uh, pants. Yeah. yeah. Khaki. Sort of, like, greenish khaki. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a secret I've been keeping for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm colorblind. Oh, it's okay. My son's colorblind too. Just a little bit. Yeah, color deficient. Yeah. yeah. Mm. All right. So let's let's start with uh, Minchong. So, who are you? Why did you decide to join politics, and why specifically the SDP? Okay, so I am um, actually a uh, marketing and communications strategist. Mm -hmm. um, I I joined the P, uh, the SDP um, nine years ago in two thousand eleven, and um, you know initially it was really because I was very very much. Um, taken in by the, the fact that the SDP was one of the only opposition parties with workable, feasible policies, and the policies resonated with me. So, you know, that kind of um, attracted me to the party. It made me pay attention to what they were doing. And, you know, um, come 20, 2011, I actually started to volunteer in the policy studies um, team. And then I also uh, helped out by being a counting agent uh, during the elections that year. Okay, Jufri, on to you. Who are you? Why did you decide to join politics? Why the SDP? All right. Uh, it was back in 2006, mm -hmm. right after that general election that year. Uh, that was my uh, first uh, election as a voter. Mm -hmm. That was, that was uh, in 2006. I was 23 and 20, or 24. And uh, I was quite disappointed with the results actually. Mm. So you see, the thing is, uh, since secondary school, I was uh, more of a, I would say a rebellious kid. Uh. <laughs> so uh, definitely I voted for the opposition. And uh, when the result came out, I did more research on the political parties of Singapore. Mm -hmm. And I stumbled upon SDP. Mm -hmm. And we all, I mean, I grew up watching the news with Dr. Chi Sun Juan almost every month on TV, on the news, mm -hmm. like his... Uh, uh, Some sort of evil man. Yeah, mean, that's like what the they portrayed the him yeah. as mm -hmm. uh, when he did his hunger strike. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the Tudong issue with right. our former vice, our, our former chairman, mm -hmm. Mr. Gandhi Ambalam. Mm -hmm. So I did research and when I read their core values, the party's core value, I was interested because it resonated with who I am, I believe, mm -hmm. because I'm seeking for 
uh, equal opportunities. Yes. I seek for social justice mm-hmm. and also, of course, being compassionate mm-hmm. towards the oppressed. And so SDP has these values. And that was when I emailed to the SDP mm-hmm. for a first meetup, mm-hmm. where actually the meetup was a workshop called I mean, uh, that was done six. So there was a non-violent protest uh, workshop. SDP actually did workshops such as this. Nice. Oh. Yeah. So that was when I got involved as activist first for a mm. few months, and then I decided to join as a member. Mm. So yeah, that what got me into SDP, and of course the uh, feeling of accepted. Mm. SDP is more like a family to me now, mm. even back then. Mm. Yeah. Mm. If actually, can I follow up on that? Because um, I'm very interested in the fact that you brought up core values. Uh, what would you, the both of you, articulate as, how would you describe your core, the core values of the SDP? I think it uh, centers a lot on equality mm-hmm. you know, and uh, compassion. So I think these two attributes are very, very central to the party in, in how policies are framed, in how we conduct ourselves. Um, and, you know, I think this, uh, these two uh, characteristics of the party, um, I feel, are what could set the party apart. And um, I, I share, I share Jufri's uh, sentiment that um, it's also like a really big family. You know, um, there's a lot of open discussion and, and debate. There's a lot of room for different opinion, which I, I really appreciate. Mm. Um, you know, and no matter who you are in the party, um, you know, you are listened to, you know, your views are taken into account. And I think that's really important. So I want to jump in here and just ask, right, what is the function or purpose of Young Democrats? I'm supposing that's the youth wing of mm-hmm. the party, right? What, what is that for? What do you hope to achieve with that? And what's the relationship of the youth wing, the Young Democrats, to the party as a whole? All right. The Young Democrats was formed in 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, back then, it was uh, started as a, uh, I would say, in my own personal opinion, it's like a training plant, if you will. Okay. All right. For to nurture and train our young members and volunteers, uh, to help them gain their confidence, mm-hmm. build leadership qualities in them. Yeah. And then from there, we will uh, identify, identify potential leaders mm-hmm. for the future of the party. Okay. And also. And by leaders, you mean like candidates to field? Uh, no. No. You see, the thing is, the dynamics of the party. Mm-hmm. We don't see candidates as the leaders of the party. Mm. All right, okay. The, the, our party runs in a different uh, dynamic. Mm. So we have, actually our leaders are those who came up with, I mean like those very committed, mm-hmm. and then those who can come up with policies, in helping out policies, mm-hmm. and then those who are basically the working horses. Mm. These are the leaders. Mm-hmm. Candidates, of course, they, are, they have leadership qualities too, definitely. That is why they are chosen as our candidates, you see. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now, I'm going to ask a bit of a touchy question here, but is there any divergence or incongruity between the youth wing of the party and the party as a whole, right? Because I, as I understand it, right, um, in general, the youth are more interested in issues um, like uh, structural change, uh, climate change, uh, gender identity, race relations, things like that, whereas the dominant political discourse in Singapore right now from the ruling party or even from the opposition is pragmatics, pragmatics, pragmatics. Mm. Is there a divergence and incongruity? Uh, I would say no. Mm. Because mm. actually, uh, the Young Democrats work closely with the main party. Okay. And uh, okay, currently, I mean, Young Democrats are mostly youth, I mean, below 40. Mm. And of course, for now, especially the youngsters below 25, probably they are the issues that they are more concerned with are different, right? Yeah. For example, they have like climate change, they have like gender issues. Mm-hmm. But once they reach that stage of like, you know, moving on with life, getting committed, mm-hmm. getting married, say you are 27, you're ready to get married. Yeah. Of course, HDB is going to be your issue, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then even healthcare is going to be your issue. Yeah. Why? Because you are going to start a family, mm-hmm. right? You need to buy a flat. And then in terms of healthcare, you, you know, aging parents. Singapore is an aged society. Yeah. So you have to look after your parents mm-hmm. and even your children. Yeah. So cost of healthcare, how our healthcare works, that becomes your concerns too. Mm-hmm. Only that, uh, I would say that uh, right now, most of the youth wing of our party, uh, they don't really, I mean, they, they still find the importance of talking about, I mean, fighting for CPF, mm-hmm. fighting for housing, healthcare. Mm-hmm. But 
they have other pressing issues. So I don't see the divergence, but instead, the young Democrats actually felt that we have extra issues mm. to yeah. take on. Okay. Yeah. So I, I tend to share that um, uh, uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, the Young Democrats serves as a platform for issues that, you know, the main party may not be so focused on, yeah. you know, for good reason. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the Young Democrats then bring up issues that are, are, are definitely going to be relevant to um, that uh, category or that demographic of people. Because, you know, like Jufri said, you know, when you're living the life, you experience the issues and then it becomes important to you to raise certain concerns. Mm. So I don't see it as a divergence. I see it as very complementary uh, functions that the Democrat, young Democrats fulfill in, in terms of like, you know, the entire um, policy ecosystem in, in SDP. Okay, okay. I, I want to push a little bit mm. on, on that, right? So it sounds like there are a core set of issues mm. that the party wants to deal with. Um, and then the Young Democrats are there to raise peripheral issues? Is that sort of what you're getting at? I don't know. I don't think it's like peripheral in, in that sense. But I'm, it's, um, I would say there are issues that um, surround, well, peripheral in the sense that they surround the main issues yes. um, that, the, that the party is um, definitely more focused on, um, on a national level. Mm -hmm. um, but the Young Democrats, I think, talk a lot about um, equally important matters, equally important um, issues uh, from, from a very genuine perspective of, of mm. you know, being in that group of people and, and knowing exactly what it is, um, mm -hmm. you know, that that, um, that particular community is going to be experiencing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so when, I, you know, when, when we say peripheral, um, I don't think there should be a context of um, those issues not being as important. Um, but peripheral in the sense that they support the main issues um, and from the same ideologi ideological perspective. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, I, I'm gonna, I, I'll put it this way. Mm. So um, I think if I or a friend or mm. somebody that I knew wanted to join the youth mm. wing, right, is there gonna be a sense or will they get this sense that the ideas that they espouse, the mm. ideas that they fight for mm. and that they research and they do work on, mm. are going to make it into the main party's core central concerns. Because I'm sure uh, a party can't be concerned about every mm. issue in the yeah. world. They have mm. to take on a particular slant. Yeah. But, you know, would somebody who wanted to join the youth wing get that assurance that this would be a priority of the main party and that it wouldn't just kind of be veered towards uh, a language or a logic of pragmatics? Mm. I mean, I think, you know, if you look at um, the example of climate change, mm -hmm. right, and the fact that the party, you know, formulated an actual policy around it, and that was an initiative that was uh, put forth by, you know, the Young Democrats. I think it shows that there's a definite commitment, you know, from, from you know, the CEC and from the, the party's leadership that if there's an issue that is important, that is... Um, framed and discussed in a way that is um, sensible and there is room for a policy to be developed around it, then mm -hmm. definitely, you know, the, the leadership is it's going to listen. And, um, you know, a lot of initiatives have, have sprung forth from, from the Young Democrats. So I think um, there is an assurance that if it is an important issue mm. and, you know, even if it's, you know, the Young Democrats th that are fronting it, um, the parties definitely going to support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would reiterate what mm. Min Chong said. It's actually uh, true what he said. What she said. Uh, you see, the thing is, when, for example, a young Democrat raised a concern, mm. it's up to the, I mean, the, the CEC will decide if this is a really a matter that, that really needs to be addressed mm. Mm. in terms of uh, to the public. Mm. 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 So by that, like for example, our mental health paper, Mm -hmm. So we saw the concern on that, yeah. whereas the, the main party was was focusing on CPF issues, healthcare, housing. Yeah. Whereas yeah. for us, it's more on mental health. Mm -hmm. It's more on more your, on your well being. So mm -hmm. that is when the party adopt our idea yeah. and allow us to came, come up with the paper. Okay. So I, I mean, I'll, I'll come on and say where the question is coming from, the impetus where it's mm -hmm. coming from, right? Is you know, when I was young, I was really, really interested in the mm -hmm. SDP. You know, I bought the pokes, I got the flex line and everything. Like, I was really into it. Because for me, uh, the SDP stood for um, this figure or this icon of democracy, 
right, of human rights, um, of the bigger abstract issues that I wanted to mm. see represented, but that no other party would. But echoing PJ, and I'm going to throw it over to PJ uh, in a bit, echoing PJ here, um, it seemed that the party over time became more and more entrenched or went deeper into this language and logic of pragmatics, bread and butter, everyday kind of issues. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, the culmination of it was the latest video where uh, Dr. Chi was talking about uh, certain infrastructure, how he did not like the infrastructure. And I thought that was a far cry away from the thing that got me so riled up five, 10, 15 years ago, right? So if you look at the history of the SDP and the kind of things that were being done by Dr. Chi in the 90s, they were very inspiring to a generation of Singaporeans, right? And I suppose very polarizing, right? So it's good and bad. Um, but with, I think, contextualizing it in the broader political change, the success of the Workers' Party, especially since 2011, seems to have dragged all the other opposition parties towards taking this very far more you know, I hate the word pragmatic, right? Because pragmatic is simply, let's do what already is being done. Let's do what's easiest, right? It's not good or bad. It's just uh, in some ways uh, very, you know, lazy in some ways. But I'd say a far more uh, focus on local issues, bread and mm. butter issues, uh, town council issues, which is also part of the trap that the PAP wants opposition parties to focus on because the PAP can always win on local issues. It has all the money. It has, uh, you know, it controls the government and it influences the civil service. If you look at the upgrading funds and how little went to Haokang Aljunit Town Council uh, and so on and so forth, right? So um, it feels like the SDP has changed at least its focus. We see all these videos and photos of Dr. Chi walking on Bukit Batok pointing at, you know, here's a broken drain, right? He, what is this uh, ir irresponsible locking up of uh, fire fighting equipment and so on and so forth. So has there been a shift in the SDP's overall vision from, uh, you know, liberal democracy, standing up for human rights, civil rights to this far more local pragmatic um, and bread and butter focus? Yeah. Uh, for me, I've been with the party for 13 years, 14 years now, 14 to 15 years. I don't see the change, actually. Mm. We are still the same SDP that you all know. Mm -hmm. It is still led by the same Dr. Chi Sun Juan. It is still the same one, I can assure you that. Mm -hmm. It's only that we, we... It's not a change of tactics even. It's actually an additional... Mm tactics from our arsenal. All right. All right. You see, the thing is, we still talk about national issues. We still come up with policies that invokes the minds of the people about national issues. But when he, for example, when Dr. Chi Sun Juan talk about the broken drain, the unsheltered walkways, right? It's just basically to, for him to feel, get connected with the residents, the electorate and mm. his constituency. Mm. So to me, it's a plus. Right. for the party. So this is additional work, actually. Okay, but he only has so much time, right? And I think if it feels like 20 years ago, he would have been responding more to, say, the government lying to us about Trace Together, right? And leading a lot of the, mm. the, the challenge to the government on that. Mm. And it seems like uh, the leadership on these sort of issues, fundamental issues about human rights... Uh, you're no longer taking leadership, but you're following and it's sort of um, younger activists who are, uh, who are now taking the lead on that when really there is a role for the SDP, especially if you're experienced, and your focus on civil liberties and human rights to take, to take leadership on that. And we, don't, we, we just don't see it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there were, there were a lot of decisive moments in this year where, mm -hmm. you know, it would have been amazing if the SDB had come out and said something. Mm -hmm. So the Trace Together saga was one. There was recently the MOE uh, saga mm -hmm. about trans students, right? Mm -hmm. um, these, these are, I think, moments where, you know, we would have liked a political party to come out and take a stand and stand in support of civil society and activism mm -hmm. uh, in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's come to a point where I think a lot of us don't really expect political parties to jump in on dicey mm -hmm. issues. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, so 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 again, it's unfair to criticize the SDP because there's there really isn't any other party doing it. But then, you know, again, it used to be this big beacon for us, mm. right? Mm. There used to be demonstrations. I learned about civil disobedience from Chi yeah. Sun John, you know, <laughs> from the SDP. Uh, so it used to be this big thing, and now it sort of seems to have watered down. Yeah. So actually, yeah, uh, as you were saying that uh, the party actually uh, still. I won't say leading it in the forefront, mm-hmm. but we still take these issues seriously. Mm-hmm. And then we we have to be very careful with you know what we say because right now the demo the uh, dynamics of the demographic uh, mm-hmm. is quite quite tricky. I would say mm-hmm. in terms of winning electorates. Mm-hmm. You see, the thing is, uh, I'm not saying on behalf of the party, but most of us will feel that the party needs to win a seat. Yeah. in parliament mm-hmm. for us to at least have a voice in parliament to be more credible mm-hmm. as an opposition party so currently maybe maybe what you can see is that the swing of the swing from one angle to another angle where we focus more on municipal issues is actually to win the hearts of the heartlanders or yeah. the voters electorates mm-hmm. yeah. at the same time like what you said about the trace together issue I, i believe we also we we have came up with a statement mm-hmm. on our Uh, social media, mm. even Dr. Chi Sun Juan mm. have said on his own personal page. Mm. So, it's only that uh, we have to be very careful in what we are dealing with. Mm-hmm. So, I would say that we are still the same SDP. It's only that, like what I said, we are taking additional strategy in our arsenal. Uh-huh. Just, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. So, I'm not going to keep pressing you on this issue, mm. right? But I, I guess I just want once and for all to just ask, right? Can you state unequivocally that SDP is the party of civil uh, civil society, human rights, liberal democracy? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and I think with um, people understanding what the SDP is about, mm. um, knowing the history of the SDP and what we have done, um, you know, it's also a recognition now moving forward um, of how do we present the same issues in a way that is, um, you know, a little bit more palatable? It doesn't mean that it's watered down, um, but it just means that, you know, the way that we're presenting certain issues, are, you know, we're trying to make it a little bit more, a little bit easier to digest. And I think that's one step in making it, um, pushing those issues forward, because there are, um, there are going to be um, sections of the electorate who may not really quite uh, resonate with, um, you know, the, the really big, uh, you know, civil disobedience actions. Um, and, uh, you know, we need to basically cover, you know, these different segments, right? The the groups that uh, resonate quite closely with, you know, civil disobedience in its most grandiose forms. Um, and also uh, civil disobedience in, in terms of, um, you know, like pushing forward discussions that are a little bit more challenging to the establishment. Um, so, you know, it's it's really about making sure that we are able to connect with different groups in society. So some groups are, are going to be more receptive to, you know, discussions. Um, you know, certain groups want to see, you know, protests. Um, so, you know, and, and I think that shows that um, while SDP at its core is still the same, um, we have evolved in terms of being able to carry forward different kinds of, um, or different forms of this, uh, of, of this central values that we hold. I, I, I guess, is there a central concern or theme that the young Democrats or the members of the young Democrats seem to have or a tendency that they move towards? Or are the issues that they raise really diverse? Mm, I would say they're quite diverse. Mm. Um, definitely, mental health has been a very, very central concern. Okay. Um, you know, with, I mean, with a lot of uh, young people becoming more aware about mental health issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, and becoming more open about discussing about these issues, um, it's definitely something that they are, you know, that you know we have been bringing up uh, quite a lot and that we want to address. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, you know, and, and also talking, uh, you know, about, um, you know, a more equal society, uh, generally across different kinds of issues, you know, and, and, and I think equality is something that um, the youth want to see and, you know, the party definitely stands for. Um, how we are approaching um, equality is to really just look at um, all the different types of issues that, um, you know, each member would be bringing up, you know, it could, you know, it could be around, you know, like uh, economic equality, social equality, and, and so, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, you know, these are the two, 
you know, we would say these are the two um, most um, pressing issues, I think, in, in, in the All young right. Democrats. Wonderful. Mm. So how do most of your members mm. find out or get mm. involved with the, the youth wing? Do you know, do you have sort of data on that? Like, mm. what is it that pushes these 17, 19-year-olds? <laughs> I'm still very yeah, amazed mm. by that. But what pushes them to join the party? We don't have the concrete data. Uh-huh. But I would say that probably our social media mm. presence. Yeah. Okay. And... Probably still the star power of Dr. Chi Sun John. Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, and, and Dr. Paul. Oh, of yes. course, yes, yeah. yes. And yeah, and it's true, Dr. Paul is now becoming more popular than yeah. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Can I ask, um, can you give me an example, for example? You know, like what, what I'm curious about is you, you talked about an issue of importance to young Democrats mm. uh, being uh, sort of promoted, pushed forward within the party mm. to the point where the party then. Um, recognizes it, takes a stand on it, puts out paper on it. What is this process like? Do you have meetings, open meetings, where you have uh, like a town hall or is it more of a sort of discussion group? Do you put together a paper and present it to the CAC or is it more of, uh, you know, uh, individual discussions? What is the dynamic? When you say about proposing ideas? Uh, yeah, how does the ideas get from the white, the young YD to the party okay. as a whole? Is there a... First of all, how do you uh, decide within the Young Democrats what is the issue that you want to yeah. collectively promote, right? Because I'm sure all of you have different ideas. Mm-hmm. So how, what is the process within that? And then how do you surface yeah. it to the main party and ensure that the main party then takes you seriously and mm-hmm. turns it into policy? Okay, I'll take this first. We will have our monthly Young Democrats meeting, right, with issues and all. And then once we finalise a few few issues that we want to raise and then uh, I'll be the bridge to mm. the CEC because mm. I'm a CEC member, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll bring the proposal, one or two, and then the CEC will discuss and uh, will let me know if it's approved or not. And then I'll go back to the Young Democrats and then we'll arrange a so-called town hall meeting with the leaders and the Young Democrats. Mm-hmm. That's where we discuss further right. on that issue. Right. So, which uh, is there an issue that you can point to as su- successfully being uh, turned into a party issue because of this process? Was it like climate change you mentioned? Climate change, mm. mental yeah. health, and yeah. even our egalitarian. Even, uh, in fact, probably uh, next week, right? Mm. We have yeah. an interparty online forum. Okay. We invited a few opposition parties, and in fact, we invited PAP as well. Right. Yeah. Right. But you know the answer, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, these were all discussed during that meeting mm. and were brought up. We have five to six uh, itinerary mm. in our itinerary, activities in our itinerary. So, that was when I got the green light, and YD went on to plan and coordinate. Mm. Mm. So, in case there's anybody watching out here that is interested in joining the SDP, specifically the youth wing, uh, how should they go about joining that? Uh, if they are interested, you can drop us an email mm-hmm. at sdp at yoursdp.org or email to youngdemocrats at yoursdp.org. Uh, then from then on, we can arrange a meeting with you mm-hmm. so that you can come to our office and we'll give you the form. And we'll, you, you can start off as a volunteer first, mm-hmm. right? Get yourself comfortable with the party, how we work, mm-hmm. and then decide whether you want to sign our membership form or not. All right. Is, is there an institutional basis? You call yourself a, a women Democrat earlier. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. there an, a formal women's wing within the party, or mm-hmm. is it more informal? Um, it Info. is. A, I mean, it is a. It's a formal um, team in itself, a department. Um, you know, but um, there isn't a lot of activity that goes mm-hmm. on within that that uh, department. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but it doesn't mean that you know there's not a lot of focus on, on women's issues. Yeah. So okay. we, we just take it at a, at a party level. Yeah. All right. Um, so I guess why, mm. why, why is there not, I mean, you said there's mm. not a lot of activity. So mm. it's just because you deal with it as a party rather than as mm-hmm. a specific group of mm. women Democrats. Yeah. It's um, something that everybody shares yes. in, the, in the discussion. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you don't feel like this in any way marginalizes women's issues within uh, the party? No, I, I actually think it, um, it makes, it, um, it makes the, the position that we take a lot more balanced, mm-hmm. um, you know, because it's a, a position that the whole party would share. Um, you know, and I think it, it actually gives um, any women's issues that mm. we deal with a lot more credence in that sense. Mm. Oh, that's very interesting. Mm. Okay. 
So it, it's sort of, um, dude, I mean, so we, we can get into a few specific mm. issues later, yeah. but um, you don't feel like at any point because these are regarded as women's issues, mm. they haven't been, a- you haven't been able to, or they haven't had the full focus of the party. Mm. Um, there's never been like a sort of, um, you know, because there are many issues which mm. obviously don't even occur to men, right? right? right. Mm. Like, um, say, the price of of tampons. Mm. You know, mm. I had never thought about, <laughs> like, there is a, a, a women's tax on uh, feminine products, mm. you know? That they're, they're more expensive. <laughs> um, and they are, you, you know, there, there are, um, say... Um, for sexual health, mm. right? Some places will mm. give out free condoms or distribute mm. condoms, or you know. Um, but women's products mm. are have to be always bought and paid for, mm. and then they're always more expensive, right? You can get uh, AIDS for men, men, male reproductive health, mm. uh, and and then some insurance companies will pay for it, but generally not for women's reproductive health. Mm. Uh, just things like that, or just mm. the fact that. Um, a lot of products labeled for women in the supermarket, right, are the same products as the men's, but mm. with 10% yep. higher price mm. in a pink bottle. Yeah. Mm. You know, so like, um, th- that's the problem. As, as, as men, we have a complete blind spot. And yeah. uh, now your party, just your previous party chair was a woman, mm. right? Um, and so you have had a history of having strong, uh, really well-qualified women candidates, but the lack of a formal organization uh sort of um you know for a structure for women mm. um I, i'm just very curious you you mm. really don't feel like it it uh it sort of marginalizes mm. women's issues mm. like have you ever brought up an issue uh that was very specific to women and 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 how did that go mm. so um, personally i haven't um you know but i think if you're looking at um the way the party approaches different groups and communities that might be marginalised, um, we do it in a way that's very balanced. So, you know, as much as women might be marginalised in certain circumstances, there are also other communities that are going to be marginalised in other circumstances. So the way the party deals with it is, let's look at what's important and let's look at, um, you know, each community um, in a way that is um, the most uh, equanimous. And I think um, this is a really good, uh, to me, it's a really good way of looking at, um, you know, the, the communities and issues that need our attention. Um, you know, and I understand that, you know, women's issues are, are of concern to, to many people and, and definitely to women. Um, but I, I actually appreciate the fact that um, there's a very sort of, um, a very balanced uh, approach to dealing with uh, marginalized groups you know and, and it and it might be um, you know a group that is uh, economically disadvantaged mm. that you know will include women as well um, but you know in terms in terms of bringing up um, women's issues you know if there is something that you know becomes pressing um, you know if, if anybody brings it up you know it could be a woman Democrat it could be you know just a regular member it's it's going to be um, you know taken into consideration. Okay. Yeah. Can I add? Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, sure. Because sure. in 2019, mm. we re- released an economic paper mm. which actually also touched on women's issues. Mm. All right. For example, when uh, a mother applies for a job, you mm. see the thing is, in the job interview, mm. in, the res- in the application form, they will ask whether do you have plans to have a kid in future, mm. in six months. Mm. You know, those are discrimination. Yep. This, has, this is one of the points that SDP raised, at least on the economic scale, okay. I mean, on the economic paper. Mm. Yes. And then uh, in 2012, we had an international women's forum. Mm. Mm. Uh, that time, I think uh, Hazel Poor was with, still with NSP at that mm. point of time. And then we had several, uh, I think, Dan, Dana Lam from AWARE. Mm-hmm. She was there. Mm. And uh, from SDP panels were uh, Ms. Chi Siok Chin mm. and Suraya Akbar, my wife. She's also part of the women's wing. Mm. And actually, I still remembered when Sraya actually raised a concern about women's issue, for, uh, about baby bonuses for single unwed moms. Mm. Mm-hmm. That, at that point of time, no baby bonus for unwed moms. Mm. Mm-hmm. But now they do. Right. Right? So those, I mean, the media doesn't pick that up and say that this was SDP's idea. Mm. Mm. But they only say that after, I think, was it Rahayu? Who said that in, in 2015 GE? Mm. Yeah. Then it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I kind of want to take it back a little mm-hmm. bit to um, the issues that you raised just now, right? Uh, specifically on the women's 
wing, right? So you talked about women's issues being brought up, uh, giving the example of uh, women being asked about their plans, their maternity plans, whether they want mm-hmm. to have kids. And then you talked about single mother bonuses, right? Mm-hmm. And I sort of noticed that the way that you're approaching women's issues was through this economic front, this bread and butter front, mm-hmm. right? What about women's issues like sexual harassment, mm-hmm. sexual harassment in, in the workplace, mm-hmm. right? Um, does the SDP kind of have a stance on that, a policy paper on that? Is there work being done on these issues um, within the SDP? Mm-hmm. So um, currently, no. Um, you know, we're not focusing specifically on, on you know sexual harassment in the workplace, mm. but we are very concerned about you know um, workplace harassment in general, of which, of course, women are a part of that, right? Mm. So you know, I, I I actually spoke about this issue uh, in my pre-election rally uh, in two thousand nineteen. Mm. Uh, we talked about workplace harassment. Um, you know. And, you know, we know the statistics about, you know, 25% of Singaporeans feel that they have been in some way bullied in the workplace. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, about a 32%, I think, of um, people that feel that, you know, they have been um, made to feel uncomfortable in the workplace. And, you know, this could also include women, you know, uh, suffering from sexual harassment. Yeah. You know, and the, like, there's another group of people, I think about 44%, that feel that, you know, they are under tremendous pressure and stress in the workplace, so all of this, I think, comes together. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in under this um, broad umbrella of um, uh, workplace harassment. Okay. Yeah. But it seems to disproportionately mm-hmm. affect women, right? And and mm. even bringing it outside of the mm-hmm. workplace, mm. um, NUS and NTU are going nuts with sexual harassment yeah. scandals. Um, it seems like a pandemic at mm. this point, right? So mm. not only do we not have the barriers and the checks and balances in place at mm. the workplace mm. uh, to prevent sexual harassment, to prevent gender violence. Mm. This is happening in the university as well. And now MOE has even mm. shown that it may as well be happening in our schools, right? Mm. So it seems like a massive, massive, massive mm. issue. Um, I'm kind of wondering why that's not being targeted directly and head on. Mm. Especially yeah. uh, since um, the PAP uh, government refuses to ratify the relevant international labor organization uh right. you know document yeah. about sexual harassment at work yep. why i don't know because yeah. this puts us in a tiny minority yeah, globally. one in six countries i think yeah so um so yeah to go back to sean's question mm. right why not target that Derek? no i mean and i think this um you know this ilo convention um it doesn't just uh focus on women's uh sex you no know, sexual harassment of mm. women in the workplace you know it it talks about fair equitable treatment across um, every single person who mm. you know who's in the workforce. So you know, and and, and I'm personally very much in favor of, of the Singapore government signing that convention, mm. um, you know, ratifying it and making sure that we have the regulatory, um, you know, um, structures in place and we're able to enforce you know those uh, regulations and enforce you know our position mm-hmm. on what makes a workplace fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, I think the way, you know, like the way I, I can't speak for the party, um, but I will say that, you know, um, we are, um, you know, looking into making every environment as fair as possible. Okay. You know, um, so where the workplace is concerned, I think, yes, um, you know, I mean, as personally, I would like to see the government sign this, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I want to see um, TAFEP have more uh, teeth and you know, have more enforcement powers, right? Yeah. Um, and I, but I, you know, and I think you know when we when, when we talk about um, uh, you know like harassment or you know whether it's sexual or or of and you know any other kind of nature you know and I think if we deal with the root issues and if we change the framework of which um, you know um, a workforce or even in in schools in uh, you know any professional environment mm-hmm. um, you know operates in I think it will automatically deal with you know um, uh, sexual harassment as well you know whether yeah. it's women or, or, or men. Okay. Yeah. What are the root issues mm. then? What do you think are the causes of this? Because in my right. head, the, right. the causes are mm. um, a culture yeah. that diminishes women, mm. blatant mm-hmm. misogyny, mm. Um, the ruling party and the effect that they've had by mm. just not caring about these issues. To me, it is very gendered. It's very psychological. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's something that, that you can't really begin to tackle by saying mm. we want every space to be a nice space, right? Mm. This is a very specific, mm. particular issue. So mm. what are these root causes and how is the SDP going about addressing them? Mm. 
vis-a-vis gender violence. Yeah. Right. So, I think, um, you know, if we're talking about misogyny, you know, in in society as a culture, um, mm-hmm. it's definitely something that um, you know we can see um, the treatment of women, you know, whether it's in the workplace or how. Um, you know, even public figures are, are, you know, described or related to, you know, in, on the internet and in the online space. You know, you can see misogyny for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, I think, you know, it, it actually speaks to a general culture of, of decency. Um, you know, and I, and I think um, a lot of it is, um, you know, people just, I think it's easy to target women, um, you know, because... You know, of um, you know certain cultural representations in in you know the media, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it does speak to um, a general kind of um, lack of decency in society, and I think the culture really is that you know um, we are very focused on economic uh, aggrandization, mm-hmm. and we are less focused on social well-being, and this trickles down to, you know, how different groups are, are treated, and and it could be women. It could mm. be um, another minority group, mm. um, but generally the weak in society are, are, you know, are easy targets, right, for people that are strong. And yes, it does. I think it does stem from the kind of cu- uh, culture that the ruling party might be perpetuating, which is mm-hmm. might is right. If you have the power and if you have the tools, you know, you can suppress. You can, you know, um, uh, you know, you can um, push your own agenda for it. You know, at the expense of another group that may not have the the same kind of tools to stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that that is where the cultural um, uh, origins, I think, affect um, women. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I think a lot has to be done mm-hmm. in in this space. Yeah. Um, I'm. I mean, I would say that I am. My position really is, um, if we can work on, and I know, I know that's um, kind of contradictory to, to where you come from, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think if we work on, on, you know, society in general, it will trickle down to all these different groups. Okay. Yeah. So what specifically does that look like? Work mm-hmm. on society in general. Yeah. So okay. So you know, I mean, a lot of it, I think, is. Um, you know, and, and this is something the young Democrats have talked about a lot, which is, you know, how do we redefine, you know, like the notion of success? What makes a successful person? Is it, um, you know, like how much money you make? Is it your educational qualifications? You know, and is it, you know, like, and who are you in society? And I think a lot of this is um, encouraging a more open-minded approach to looking at issues. And I think that also stems from encouraging critical thinking, encouraging open debate, which is something that doesn't really sit well with the establishment, right? Mm-hmm. You, you know, we're not able to uh, challenge the establishment without um, somebody, you know, clamping down or, you know, like um, suppressing, you know, your opinions, you know, um, very often, right? And mm-hmm. um, I, th- I think that really just prevents a lot of um, organic um, discussion, which is very necessary for, for you know, the understanding of the other, right? You know, and, and the understanding of self as well. Mm. So I really think that it's a lot to do with, um, you know, like, and with, you know, with critical thinking and encouraging that, right? You know, you are able to then not be so influenced by norms and conventions in society. You're able to think for yourself and say, no, this isn't what I want. You know, like, I don't necessarily think I'm successful because I have you know, like 500 degrees or whatever it is, you know, like I feel that my value to society is, you know, whatever I want to do, you know, that, that I see, con- you know, is um, uh, meaningful, you know, and I, and, and I think if we are able to, you know, redefine what success is to ourselves mm-hmm. and, you know, what, what a successful society is, um, I think that would be very useful. So I think on one level it is to, open that kind of discussion, mm-hmm. um, you know, around this issue. And I think also it could really well be um, even things like we might want to measure like what is, um, like how, what kind of metric we use to determine um, the well-being of our nation. You know, like GDP may not be the best uh, singular metric to, you know, to rely on. You know, it could be the, the, the happiness index, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that we can, you know, encompass a broader set of values in, in how we in in how we sort of frame and nurture our, our society. Yeah. Okay. I can I can get behind that, mm. right? The idea of opening up discussion yeah. spaces uh, and tackling the core issues which mm. are which st- you know give rise to these mm. issues. Um, 
I think on a on a related note, right? Mm. Um, I want to get into the issue of as well migrant spouses, mm. right? It's a very under uh, underappreciated mm. issue, right? Mm. So you know, one in three citizen marriages is to a foreigner, and one in five citizen births is to uh, such a couple, mm. right? Um, and I think this is a fascinating issue because there isn't currently a very clear or mm. defined path to citizenship mm. or permanent resident status, right? Mm. And this, of course, disproportionately affects uh, women because they are the spouses who are coming in, right? Mm. Um, so I was wondering if the SDP had a position on, um, you know, finding a concrete or defined path to citizenship uh, mm. for individuals or migrant spouses. Right? I mean, especially also it ties into the the, the unfortunate kind of stereotype that people have of the opposition, which is mm. possibly a bit xenophobic, mm. uh, possibly a bit, you know, mm. kind of closed off and nationalistic. Mm. So what is the SDP's stance on this? I don't think we really actually touched on this yeah. before. Okay. Mm. But yeah, when we do our house visits, we do have uh, residents mm. who, mm-hmm. of, who are of this kind of family. I mean, one is a non-Singaporean, one is a mm. Singaporean. Mm-hmm. So the thing is... Uh, we actually feel that since w- both of them are working in Singapore, they contribute to the community. Yeah. Mm. So there must be some kind of assistance yeah. for them to get probably a you know mm. a permanent residentship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, it's also a very sort of racial component to this, right? Because mm. uh, one. So th- this whole immigration policy is a black box. There's no guarantee that a, a, a foreign spouse can mm. have a pathway to even a long-term mm. visitor pass, mm. you know, which, which means uh, also lack of access to health care. And, and this means that they have to pay disproportionately more for the health care and so on and so forth. Mm. But what is sort of, I think, um, tacitly but not explicitly confirmed is that... The, the, or what is what is confirmed is that the government wishes to keep our racial mix steady. Mm. So um, spouses who might uh, change that racial mix, mm. right, uh, are far less likely to be approved. And so this actually intersects a lot with uh, uh, race mm. as well as immigration and gender, you mm. know, and inequality and class, right? So mm. this is, in this one issue, you see so many things here. Mm. So be very curious to uh, when you see STP's overall position to this, because you're going to have to deal with a lot of very complicated intersecting yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. Mm, I mean, I think you know it's it's precisely because it's such a complex issue that you know I think. I, I won't I, I cannot speak for the party's position on this mm-hmm. um, you know but I think it is a it is a good point that we we might need to examine mm-hmm. um, you know and I think it, it you know if you're looking at um, you know a migrant spouse you know who already is working and and you know fairly integrated in in society right it it I mean logically it would seem like the fair thing to do you know to you know extend things like medical benefits mm-hmm. right especially yeah. if the uh, they have children. Yeah. Who are Singaporeans, yeah. Yeah. especially for male who are going to serve national service. Mm-hmm. Uh, why yeah. not help the family, right? Mm. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. And Maybe you, yeah, we have to touch on this. You see a lot of uh, women who, for example, are in abusive marriages, but because she's a foreigner, mm. the, um, the husband, the abusive spouse can mm. get away with it because they say, well, you know, if you divorce me, you'll have mm. to leave Singapore and lose your children. So, mm. you know, what are you going to do about it, right? So there mm. are all sorts of issues here. Mm. Uh, which make this a very, very contentious issue. But mm. to me, Singapore is should be a place which welcomes people of uh, you know all backgrounds, right? We are an, in largely an immigrant society, mm. Mm. Um, and there should be equality of opportunity for everyone. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So I have one last question about uh, women's issues mm-hmm. and the SDP, right? Um, what can we expect to see from the SDP should you be elected regarding women's issues? What would set you out above and beyond the ruling party mm. and other opposition parties? Um, you know, for me, women's rights is a huge issue, right? Mm. So I want to know if you get into power, right? What's going to be different? Uh, what is going to be the effect that you will have on the discourse surrounding women's rights in Singapore? 
you know, I mean, honestly, the party hasn't talked about like specifically what we would do to address women's issues in mm-hmm. parliament. You know, like a lot of it is is really broad, overarching issues. You know that um, that uh, we would like to address, and I don't think that means that the um, you know that women's issues aren't aren't as important. Yeah. Um, it's just that I think we haven't had that discussion, you mm. know, within the party yet. Mm. Yeah. So am I fair to say mm. that the SDP's approach to women's issues mm. is not to sort of tackle them directly and mm. separately, mm. but to be cognizant and aware of them as other policy papers are being produced? I mean, I think it's quite fair to say that. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and, and I think it's because, you know, like we, we see inequality as, if, you know, a, affecting different communities, like quite a broad array of, you know, communities, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that the way we address issues is, I think, from a, from a standpoint of, like, is it an economic issue? Is it a, a social issue? You, mm-hmm. know, uh, you, know, it, you know, and then it's all its subsets, like, is it a, a mental health issue? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think the way we kind of deal with um, these communities are, you know, is, is as such, you know, not necessarily, like, is it a women's issue? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it seems like the SDP is kind of coming from this a, a little bit antiquated idea mm. that once structural change is achieved, everything in Singapore and the world will kind of be solved, whether that be women's rights, LGBT rights, uh, economic issues, social issues, income inequality. Mm. They all kind of spring from the same ground, right? Increasingly, these ideas have kind of fallen out of favour, right? Mm. Um, it seems now that activists, civil society and new political parties, you look at Bernie Sanders and AOC mm. in the States, mm. uh, are taking a more head-on mm-hmm. approach where they deal with the issues uh, very directly. Mm. So one uh, good example to borrow from America, COVID-19 vaccines, right? Mm-hmm. So COVID-19 vaccines, the idea was that if we managed to get um, the infrastructure done, Mm. everybody would get the vaccines. Mm. What was overlooked was that even when the infrastructure was put in place, they were sent out to pharmacies and pharmacies mostly occur in white affluent neighbourhoods. And so Mm. black and brown people weren't getting them at the Mm -hmm. same rate, Mm. right? So these are issues that because you don't deal with them head on, you Mm. tend to miss out. Mm. So I guess the question or the challenge posed to you is why take this sort of structural, ultra broad approach, Mm. right? Which Mm. seems to be, kind of this old socialist idea, Mm. once we solve the economy, everything will be fixed, rather than the ideas which now are gaining traction Mm -hmm. uh, and showing some kind of efficacy Mm. uh, by dealing with issues head on. Mm. I think it's about prioritisation. So, you know, I mean, like when you talked about the COVID-19 vaccines, right, and and making sure that there was enough of a production and it was, you know, distributed to to pharmacies, that's the first step. So, you know, with, with that done, you know, um, it's easier to focus on the next layer of issues, you know, which would be then, okay, so now we know that um, predominantly these pharmacies are in, you know, the, the more affluent white neighbourhoods or, or cities, or, you know, and we need to address then how do we move from there to tackle, you know, um, the fact that there's a little bit of a, you know, that there's an iniquity in, in uh, you know, in who's receiving or who's able to access those mm-hmm. uh, vaccines through this means. Yeah. So I, I would say that um, generally the way we're approaching things is to prioritise by dealing with macro issues and mm-hmm. then, you know, like from there moving on to the next layer and the yeah. next uh, tier, you know, of of, um, uh, of issues or, or you know, uh, concerns that, that would then be easier to deal with after, you know, or you know, at, at least when... Um, the overarching um, problem has been addressed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess just a last polemic Mm. here is, (laughs) will the issue ever be solved? Will there ever come a point where we say, you know what, structural issues, cultural issues, they've Mm. been solved. Now let's go and address the specific particular instantiations Mm -hmm. of injustice, Mm -hmm. the race, the specifically race-related issues, the specifically gender-related issues, Mm. the specifically uh, sexuality-related issues. Will there ever come a point where we we need to say, okay, we need a specific wing for this, we need to target these questions in their specificity? Mm. I I believe it's possible. Yeah. It's possible since, uh, for example, like like we did that Malay paper, right? So why not a woman's paper? Yeah. (laughs) You know? And Mm. then, uh, because... This kind of issue, such as women's issue, is going to be ongoing. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stop at one solution. Mm. So to keep up with the times. Mm. So we'll have to keep ourselves updated. So with mm. this, I believe that, you know, maybe the, maybe the women's wing, yeah. we yeah. can raise it to yeah. the leadership. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can come mm. up with our own women's paper. Mm. 
Right. And, you know, I mean, politics is dynamic. So as much as, you know, we want to have a certain approach, there will always be, um, you know, events that occur that will, you know, be a lightning rod for, for you know, everybody's attention. You know, and, and, and it may signal that, you know, that's the time that we need to act, you know, more urgently than, than at any other point, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, I think it's about being very uh, adaptable and fluid. So while we might have a certain approach, um, you know, it doesn't mean that, you know, like, you know, if an, if an, if an issue, you know, arises, you know, we don't pay attention because we are stuck in our rigid ways. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it is, um, and that's one thing that's really good about the SDP, you know, the, the fact that the way we approach issues is to be very cognizant about everything that's happening, you know, and, and being able to then um, move to address issues of importance or issues that, you know, become yeah. more... Um, you know, more pertinent, you know, in, in the, the public awareness or in terms of its importance. Mm-hmm. I just want to recognize mm. that you know, uh, an important point you made, which is mm. prioritization, mm. because ultimately you are an opposition party in Singapore. Mm. And so you have very few resources, uh, and especially compared to the <laughs> governing party. Mm. Um, and, and this kind of, I guess, leads to our final question with, yep. that we always ask, which mm. is sort of our theory of change. Mm. Um, and this, you've sold this really wonderful vision of Singapore through all the things you've talked about, especially compassion, equality, right? A Singapore where we're not afraid to speak up, mm. uh, Singapore which protects civil rights, civil liberties, but also uh, looks at all these different um, important issues at all these different levels. But... Um, Ultimately, right, this inspiring vision seems to be taking a back seat to, well, we got to win one seat because mm. that one seat at least is going to make a big difference in terms of how the party is recognized, the platform it has, the funding it has, you know. And so um, it feels as if you're um, prioritizing winning that seat above. Uh, promoting the vision at you know um, overall at the moment right um, which is which is which seems valid a valid strategy in the short term mm. but in the long term what we're curious about is how you see the role of op- opposition parties in Singapore how do opposition parties create change in Singapore mm. outside of Parliament mm. even without winning a seat and within Parliament once you win a seat so yeah, that that sort of broader question, right? What, um, how do you create positive change, even with the limited resources that you have? Mm. I think for SDP, we have done quite a number of uh, changes, fluidly, uh, which the media or maybe the government refused to give us the credit for. So, for example, uh, from our education paper, where we do away with streamings. Uh, at least until they are in upper set. Mm. And then uh, we got the uh, primary one and primary two students to do away with the examinations. Mm. Uh, yeah, those are some of the examples that we did, which uh, without us in power in parliament, we still got mm. our way. Mm-hmm. Mm. So are you saying the the main role of the opposition really, or at least the way the STP sees that your main role right now is to put out these really strong well-researched ideas and then push for them and then ultimately the PAP government adopts them and doesn't credit you but takes all the credit for itself at least, Mm. you know, through the the mainstream media. I mean, you know, if we do some digging, we know you propose it first. Correct. But it's okay because it's for the people, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Mm And, and you, you're okay with that? Because, I mean, I know... I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I would be very frustrated. <laughs> of course, of course, and, and the back end, we, we are happy. But the thing is, our objective is to provide for the people. Mm. Okay. To give up service. Mm. Yeah. So that's our main agenda. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's that conflict then with your desire to get into parliament because there's, there's a difference between, okay, I will promote these ideas... Uh, as an opposition party versus, uh, you know, especially ideas which are not in the mainstream, which the government won't normally consider. And Mm. then because you've promoted it, they then are forced to consider it um, versus I want to win an election and get at least one seat. So I'm going to try and cater to 
this community and focus very much locally and try and win this one seat. Are these sort of different strategies? Do they conflict to each other? Is there a tension between them? Mm, no. No. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, each, um, each strategy that we you know, work with serves a, a different purpose. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously with, you know, putting out policy papers, you know, we really want to encourage discussion in society, right? So like the purpose of a policy paper is not just to, you know, propose a framework, but it's also to encourage awareness and discourse and debate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something that the SDP stands for quite strongly, which is, you know, like to, to have informed uh, discussions in society so that people can make better decisions. Um, and if the, um, you know, if the government of the day takes on these policies and, and you know, implements them, all the better for people. Um, the fact that we may not get credit, uh, yeah, it's a little bit frustrating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, again, it's really about, you know, having a, at least an opportunity to contribute to yeah. the political process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, you know, where like uh, focusing on uh, municipal issues is concerned, um, it's something that, I mean, our electorate is, is very much... Um, they need that kind of support as well. And and I think it also, they also need to know that um, because of the way um, our our political uh, infrastructure is set up, I think they want to see that an opposition party will be able to serve them at mm. that level as mm. well mm. Um, as propose the bigger issues mm. in parliament. What is your theory of change? How do you think it should happen? How, how must it happen? Um, what is the big thing that you would like to see changed in Singapore? And I think you don't have to answer for the party because I know Mm. Mm. all parties are very diverse, but maybe talk about it on an individual level. Mm. How do you see change happening Mm. and what what do you, how Mm. do you see your role in that? Mm. I mean, I think at a a very fundamental level, my hope is that for, you know, like for our electorate to become a lot more mature, Mm -hmm. um, you know, through having um, good public discourse and, you know, having this, um, just being a little bit more open-minded and willing to, to learn and expose, you know, ourselves to different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really, for me, the bedrock of, of you know, um, you know for, for change, right? And, um, and I also, you know, like I said before, I think voter education is really, really important because I think that's actually why, um, it, I think that contributes to a, to a large extent why we haven't seen, um, you know, significant change. Uh, mm-hmm. Voting patterns always reverting to the same kind of, you know, like, I'm not sure about the opposition. I don't know what's going on. I'll just vote for incumbent, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I think if people were a bit more informed and if voter education was something that maybe, like I said, you know, like it could be a, an initiative that mm-hmm. all parties, you know, or all opposition parties, um, you know, contributed to, um, I really think that that would help. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and, and, you know, making sure that, you know, it's not just something that's done on social media, but we should find ways to have it, um, you know, to, to talk to like the, the older generation who may not be exposed to, you know, like your, you know, your, your mm-hmm. you know, like podcasts or, you know, YouTube videos and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, I think it really, to me, it, it really is about helping people to understand the political process in Singapore, helping people to understand the um, political environment. For example, you know, what is the difference between um, the PA and the PAP, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and what is the role of a grassroots organisation? You, know, you know, it's supposed to be an apolitical um, you know, entity, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes we don't see them really living up to that role. You yeah. know, and things like, why is there a conflation between estate management and, you know, um, the role of an MP or the traditional mm. role of an MP, yeah. you know, and and a lot of a lot about um, even things like, what is the difference between the parliament and the government, mm. right? Those things I think, not a lot of people have a very clear understanding about, and I think that contributes to mm-hmm. why people just, you know, end up voting for you know what's comfortable, what's what they see as safe, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and I think if they understood, for example. Um, it, it's very strange that, you know, like um, the ruling party can get, say, I don't know, 60% plus of the popular vote, mm-hmm. but retain a 90% uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, majority of seats in parliament. Yeah. That itself is really peculiar, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's about 
um, you know, like why, it, and then it, it, it will kind of move into like why GRCs are unfair mm. fundamentally, you know, mm. what is, you know, like what does it mean to, you know, to, um, you know, what's one man, one vote kind of thing. So mm -hmm. all these things I think we have to address. Um, sometimes talking about like these big ideological issues, uh, you know, like visionary ideas and all that, it's very attractive, mm. right? It, it, um, it serves a purpose at rallies, it gets people all riled up, but mm. if at you know, if at our core we don't understand, you know, all these very fundamental um, constructs of the of the system, mm -hmm. when we get to the the ballot box or when we get to the voting booth, you know, it doesn't matter what amazing speech we've heard from whichever party. Mm -hmm. You know, there's always going to be um, a sense of underconfidence yeah. or a, a, you know a tendency to to you know to move towards what's comfortable. Mm -hmm. So. I think I, I, I would like to see change in, in this area. Yeah. So significant voter education. Yeah. So the second half of the question mm. then, what is your role in that? Mm. Um, either yourself personally or mm. the SCP, what are you doing or would like mm. to do for voter mm. education? I think it'd be good if we just put, put out a lot of resources, mm -hmm. you know, um, whether it's digital, you know, and, and, and um, you, know, like, well, you know, through social media or whether it's through, you know, like, could be workshops, could be engagement, you know, like when we go down to the ground and, you know, do our house visits or, or walkabouts. It could be in a variety of forms. But um, however we need to, to do so and to connect with different segments of society, we, we really need to do this. I think. Uh, but yeah. are, you, mm. are you doing it right now? Because so, your answer yeah. seems kind mm. of like we should. Yeah. But we, you are doing it right now, right? Yeah. So we, yeah. we did, um, you know, um, for GE uh, 2020 last year, right? Mm -hmm. We did put out, a, you know, a few resources, mm -hmm. um, you know, YouTube videos that dealt with, you know, the political process and dealt with, um, you know, all these uh, issues. But I think also owing to the fact that, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the elections. You know, we didn't, well, we weren't able to be as comprehensive as we uh, should have been. So I think, you know, in the lead up to the next GE, I think we need to really focus on this. Right, so yeah. in the next four years, mm. You personally, uh, if not the party as a mm. whole, um, at your belief that you believe that if we focus on educating voters about these very fundamental issues regarding the institutions, mm. the structures, the mm. you know nature of our democracy, elections, mm. that would do a huge amount to create change. I think it would at least. Um, I think it would, you know change perspectives and I think once we change perspectives you know we leave it up to the uh, that at least is a, is I think it's the fundamental right. sort of um, it's the basic groundwork we need to cover mm -hmm. you know and, and wherever you know somebody wherever a voter might um, stand in terms of like you know um, partiality to a party mm. that's up to them you know after that but if they don't understand the process and if they don't understand how you know things are done um, it's very difficult then for them to make a truly informed decision. Mm. Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for joining us, Min and Jufri. Right, this has been really enlightening. Um, I really loved the answers and the debate that we had. Um, yeah, and I feel kind, I feel a little bit more assured now about the mm. SDP, you know, um, that it's still the party of human rights, still mm. the party of progressive ideals. Uh, we hope to see more from you, from the youth wing and from the party in general. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in to our episode. Yes, uh, so thank you, Min. Thank you, Jufri. And of course, thank you, Sean, uh, my co-host, uh, for you know being such a great co-host, uh, the questions. Um, and of course, thank you to you, our viewers, our listeners, uh, for joining us today. Um, and as always, if you've enjoyed this uh, and if you appreciate the work that we do, you'd like to see more, please do support New Narrative. We are entirely member-funded and we need you to join us as a member, newnarrative.com slash join or uh, donate at newnarrative.com slash donate. So thank you very much and see you next time.